When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is it about Football Insider? Why do you subscribe? Honestly, Dan, it's your promos at the start of every podcast. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> Why would you not want to get the knowledge first? Why would you not want those texts in your phone? I just, I smile every time they come up. I like to use these little nuggets and conversations with my friends, act like I'm, I just know more than they do because, you know, I do because I got the, the information going directly into my phone. Playoffs is going to happen this year. It's just really nice to get listen to you guys. You guys are like my movie stars as a sports fan and uh, they get the information, uh, the emails and the um, post-game pod, you know, and stuff. It's just, it's been the best money I spent. And I just think as bronze fan, we're, we're lucky to have the coverage that you guys provide. I don't think the other teams in the league have this kind of coverage. I live in LA and I can guarantee the Rams and the Chargers don't have this kind of coverage, nor do they have the fan base that would appreciate it. I read cleveland.com every day for the sports. I read it more than the LA Times. And you, know, you keep me in touch with home. And having the depth of information that you all provide handed over to you is invaluable. And at the price that's being charged, it's, I can't even begin to tell you how much I've enjoyed it. Here's a promo. Uh, if you want to sign up for Football Insider, go to cleveland.com slash browns and hit the blue banner at the top of the page to get info and get involved in stuff like this. All right, here we go on our Tuesday Orange and Brown Talk podcast, Dan Lobby and Mary Kay Cabot. Now, Mary Kay, I was traveling today. My flight... Uh, my flights home were later than yours, so I did not make it in time to hear from Kevin Stefanski and J.C. Treader. Uh, Nick Chubb, I believe, spoke today. And I've done a little bit of catching up here before we hit record, but not a lot. So I figured today I would ask you to, to catch me up. And I wanted three things that kind of stood out to you and that, and that you took away from today. And then we'll kick them around a little bit. So uh, fire away. What's the first thing? The first thing is the fact that... Uh, Kevin Stefanski really drove home the point today uh, that, that they're disappointed about this, that they were not playing with house money. They didn't just arrive at the AFC divisional game in Kansas City, just happy to be there and that they were going to be happy with the result. They went there to win the game and they're disappointed that they didn't win it. And he wants these guys to sit with that feeling, to marinate in it for a little while and to not want it to happen again, to understand that this wasn't what they came for, they wanted more, and, and to understand that having their season cut short for, for the standards that they set for themselves is a feeling that they do not want to have again going forward. And I think that's great. I think that's the approach they should have. I don't think they should be happy and say, well, look what we did. Look what we accomplished. We won 11 games. We beat the Steelers. I mean, that, that's how great teams become great, is they, they take moments like this, and they manage to turn them into a long-term positive. They aren't just happy with where they are. And look, I'm reminding this defense. If I'm Joe Woods, 
Uh, if I'm Kevin Stefanski, I'm reminding every defensive player when they come back in the spring about third and 13 or third and 14. I'm reminding them about that all spring long, all training camp, all season, the offensive guys. I'm going to remind them about that last drive. You know, not to say that you're just going to be negative all the time, but I think that's good to kind of drive home that idea that you had this opportunity and now you've got to learn to get pat. You've got to learn to, to get past where you got to, because this team wants to win Super Bowls. Yeah. I mean, you know, I just even looking back at it today and, and, you know, even just studying the play sheet a little bit and looking back at that last drive, I, I did a, a story. I did a post off the Nick Chubb zoom today and, uh, and I could tell, I mean, he was just so down. He was really down during the Zoom. I don't know if you'll get a chance to actually watch the interview or not, or maybe you'll see some of it on, on Twitter or whatever, but uh, you could just tell that, that he was not happy about his game. So I started asking him about that. And he admitted, I'm mad at myself. That, that's not like me. I didn't want to be dropping passes. I, you know, in the moment, I didn't do what I needed to do to help the team. And um and it was, you know, it was very, very profound uh, how he felt. But when I looked back uh, at that last drive after Carl Joseph got the interception, what a blown opportunity that drive was. I mean, yep. really, I mean, the Kansas City defense really stepped up. I thought that they did two things very, very well. They did, they did a number of things well, but the two, two things they did really well, they stopped Nick Chubb in key moments. They really focused on him and they focused on Jarvis Landry. Those were the two things that, that it, they set out to do. I think they felt like if we take out Jarvis, we don't really have to worry too much about anybody else. Now, of course they do, but that was, that was their goal. Take out Jarvis and take out Nick, it seems to me. And, and Nick is, is down on himself today and he is willing uh, to, to learn and grow from the feeling of disappointment that he has of dropping those two passes and also he got dropped for a loss a couple of different times and stopped for no gain. And that last drive, he was stopped for no gain by Anthony Hitchens and someone else once and then dropped for a one-yard loss. And usually Nick Chubb in the fourth quarter is hitting home runs. Yeah. And it just didn't happen. Now, Kevin Stefanski takes responsibility for that last drive too. He feels like he didn't put those guys in position to put the game away with that drive. And so, I mean, I'd be interested to, to hear what he wishes he would have done differently, but he puts a lot of it, of it on himself there. And then when I look on the defensive side of it at third and 14, what I see there is Miles Garrett was a very injured individual by that point in the game. He was really, really struggling with a very painful oblique, which of course affects every movement that you yeah. try to do, okay? I'm sure that he's got a uh, just a horror, like probably a torn muscle there because that's what happens when you when you injure the oblique. So he sacked Chad Henney on on the second down play, which was great for a six yard loss. But he didn't have anything left on the third down play. Remember, he was he said, you know, I was afraid I was going to have to do it again. Well, he didn't he didn't have what it took to chase down Chad Henney on that play. We saw him earlier in the game before he tore the oblique or did whatever he did to the oblique, chasing down Mercole Hardman 42 yards downfield to make a tackle. When it came time to chase down Chad Henney, he didn't have, he didn't have it. He just did, he did not have it. 
and, and nobody else was there to make the play. If somebody was going to be able to do it, I think it would have been him. And so missed opportunities, Dan, I think the missed opportunities were huge. And that's why these guys are down today and they should be down today. We've got plenty of time to talk about what a great season that they had. We've really got about a couple days to analyze and say, you know what? They could have beat the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes was in the locker room with what's believed to be a concussion, although nobody's really willing to say the words concussion. They should have won this football game. They had their chances. They should have won the game. Yeah. I mean, you're right. And, and for a lot of reasons, right? One, it's re- look, it's really hard to win in the NFL. It's really hard to win Super Bowls in the NFL. It's really hard. And so when you have that opportunity, you certainly, you know, I don't know what would have happened. They might've gone to Buffalo and gotten their doors blown off. Who knows? You don't know what's going to happen after this game, but when you do have that opportunity, man, it stings to not take advantage of it. And the other thing, even though the miles thing aside, obviously not himself, this team was pretty healthy. You really can't ask. You really can't ask for a team to be much healthier, to be honest with you, going into the, in, when you're in the middle of January. Yes, Denzel Ward coming off COVID. So, you know, and, and I know he was having some issues and didn't play his, his normal workload. Miles Garrett, the oblique, also coming off COVID. But, you know, you lose Jedrick Wills on that first play. I'm not saying they were 100% healthy. I'm not saying there weren't areas where they were lacking. Right. But nobody, nobody's healthy in the middle of January. No. And you never know. I mean, next year it could be you that loses your quarterback to a concussion in a playoff game. So none of this is to say like yesterday ruined the whole season. Uh, You know, it was a great season. Like you said, that we might look, we might end up talking about this season as the year that started something really big. Okay. But in that vacuum of that game, you had that opportunity to win. You had a third and a third and 14. You had Chad Henney on the field that's an opportunity and it should sting a little bit that they missed that opportunity and, and that they lost out on it. And I'm, I'm glad that they aren't just, you know, sitting back, even publicly sitting back and saying, ah, yeah, but look at the season we had. What a great year. Yeah. Because I think, uh, you know, when you think about this, the, the Browns had reached the point with their offensive line, with their running game and some of the other things that they have going for them right now, they, they kind of got to the point where, when they play clean football, they can beat anybody. They got to that point. I mean, they kind of put it all together at the right time. And when they were playing mistake-free ball, they, you know, they, they were dynamite. And therefore, if they could have gotten him off the field on that third down and had their chance, I, I kind of like their chances there. I mean, they, they were making, Baker was starting to hit some big plays. You know, he, he was making some plays. And I think these guys, you know, they, they may have been able to do something with that. And once again, as we said, the drive before that, um, I don't know. I, w- I want to go back and watch the whole, that whole drive over again, just to kind of see what they could have done differently there. But there's just no way that you get the ball back in that situation and move it 12 yards. No, that's not what you do when you have eight minutes left with a chance to win the ball game, you don't just move the ball 12 years. When you have Baker Mayfield's arm and the play action game and a defense that's good, but not great. Right. I mean, I don't know. It, it's just, it, it was because here's the thing. 
If you go to Buffalo, that's a good football team. Okay. We can both agree that the Buffalo Bills are a really good football team right now. And, and Josh Allen is playing some amazing, amazing football. But they at least would have had a chance. They would have had a chance to go into Buffalo and play a competitive football game if they did the things that got them to this point, and that's not dropping passes, not turning the ball over. You know, I mean, it was, it was disappointing to see Jarvis drop a pass on the first drive, Nick Chubb drop those two passes on the second drive, you know, losses, drop, drop for losses. They had several negative, negative plays on offense, you know, uh, uh, an eight yard batted pass that, that Baker catches, you know. All right, let's move on to our, uh, let's move on to our second topic. Yep. What, what else, what else did I miss today? Well, you know, there's always discussion on the day after the season about the quarterback and the quarterback situation. So, you know, we have to go there. Now, the thing about it is, though, there's just nothing all that new about it. I mean, there's there really isn't that much more that we haven't heard from Kevin Stefanski already, that we haven't heard from Alex Van Pelt, that we haven't heard from Andrew Barry about Baker Mayfield. Here's where it stands right now, Dan. Baker Mayfield, these guys don't like answering questions about is Baker Mayfield the franchise quarterback? Yeah, that's, that's weird. Yeah. Isn't that a little weird? Uh, just to interrupt here, isn't that a little weird that like, yeah. you know, we talked to Andrew on Friday, I think it was, and Kevin today, and I went back and looked through that transcript a little. I don't know. I mean, look, they'll get to, they'll get to say it with their actions this offseason, but it, it just, it strikes me as a little weird, but go ahead. Well, you know what? <laughs> I think... I, I think in an odd sort of way, even though I believe that Baker Mayfield is their quarterback of the future, I think this is a never say never uh, regime, you know, where they just have it in their mind that they'll do whatever they can do to improve the football team. Now, I, I firmly believe that Baker Mayfield is their guy and that he established that this year, uh, that he showed them that he can be their quarterback in this offense that he's well suited to it and that you know he'll probably be here for the next decade winning super bowls but they're they're just not that's just not how these guys roll they don't talk about they don't, they don't like the term franchise quarterback now i think what's going to happen in the offseason is i think that they will pick up baker mayfield's fifth year option i think that's the next thing that will happen is that will happen in May. And then they have him wrapped up at least for the next two years. Uh And then after that, once they figure out what's gonna happen when everybody has a real super clear picture of the cap and the whole economic situation and how everything's going to go, then they can work towards uh, either an extension this off season or, or maybe not, maybe not, you know? I mean, it, it can go that way and it doesn't have to go that way right away. Do you think there's a, there's a chance? I, I mean, look, this is like a whole, this is a whole nother podcast, but you know, I, I've, I think the fifth year option is a foregone conclusion at this point. Right. But um, I mean, I've kind of been thinking the extension is almost a foregone conclusion at this point too. Do you think there is a chance that they could decide to wait? I do. 
I do, and I haven't I haven't really written about that yet. I and I probably will write about it fairly fairly soon. But I I do see a world in which uh, they don't rush into it right away. Now they probably will do it once they figure out exactly what the cap is going to be. You know, maybe it makes sense to go ahead and do it, but it also it also might make sense to see how another year goes before you commit that $35 million a year to your quarterback. And here's why. Because as we know, the guys that are getting that kind of money are the Deshaun Watsons and the Patrick Mahomes, where they are that elite level of quarterback. And you know that they're elite. And they're not elite because of everything that's around them, they can make everybody around them better because they are so darn good. Uh And Baker's, I think, getting to that point, but he's only, he only had a half a season where he was at that point. So the data that they have, or that, that we've all seen on Baker Mayfield was a good, you know, a good rookie year and then a not so good second year and a half of a good third year. So you want to see consistency before you go with the big bucks. I mean, look at guys like Jared Goff right now. Look at guys like Carson Wentz right now. They got those big, huge guaranteed contracts, right? And, and it hasn't gone quite exactly, you know, it, it, it hasn't gone well for Carson Wentz at all. It hasn't gone the way uh, that, that people thought it might go for, for Jared Goff after that. So I think there is, you know, that there maybe is some wisdom in in seeing how it goes for another season before you go with the, you know, five year, whatever, four or five years, $140 million, $35 million a year, whatever the going rate would be. Yeah, it's such, it's such a hard contract to figure out. I mean, I, I just take Patrick Mahomes deal out of the equation. That's such a, I mean, yeah. that's an outlier. He, no, nobody's getting half a billion dollars. Uh, coming their way unless they are Patrick on the next Patrick Mahomes Uh, but yeah I mean if Baker's looking at what Deshaun Watson got you know Deshaun Watson just had one of the best seasons we've seen at at quarterback now who knows where he's going to end up but yeah I mean mean, it's interesting I I would be curious to see kind of how both sides view it honestly Um, you know I'm sure for Baker he he just wants to get you know you get that signing bonus you get all that stuff i'm sure that, that they want to do it right away it's, it'll be interesting i just do find it curious that like it's kind of just their mo so i don't want to read too much into it but it's just all like just say he's your guy i don't know but maybe they don't want him to think that way maybe they want him to go into this off season I, feeling you know, like I, he's still got more to do well plus what if you what if you do pump the brakes the tiniest bit, pick up the fifth year option and, and then see how it goes. You know what I mean? Like there is a world in which they might want to just like, let's, let's take a look at next year and see, you know, see how it all plays out and make sure that the tra- trajectory is what we want it to be. Now, I, I think, I think he showed them this year what they needed to see. And I think he probably is their long-term answer and that he will be here for the next decade and that all will be well. But I can't honestly say that right at this very moment, I think that they are going to rush to sign him to a $35 million a year 
contract. He's never made a Pro Bowl. I mean, think about that. The guys that ha- that are making the big money that we're talking about here, Dan, they've made Pro Bowls. They've t- taken the team either, in Carson Wentz's case, he, he took the team basically to the Super Bowl that year, even though he got injured towards the end. Um, Jared Goff, you know, these guys have all gone to Super Bowls or multiple Pro Bowls. Baker has none of those credentials on his resume right now. So that doesn't necessarily say, here's $35 million a year. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Well, the, the other thing to keep in mind too is uh, Josh Allen is going to get paid this off season. Um, and he'll, he'll get that top dollar after the year he's had, uh, mm-hmm. you know, especially if they win this game on Sunday. Uh, yeah. Lamar Jackson yep. is going to be an interesting case. I yep. think, I think, you know, they'll extend him, yes. but he did take a step back this season and he did leave a bad taste with that last playoff game in, in Buffalo. So, you know, maybe they want to kind of see what those numbers look like too. And uh, maybe Baker wants to see what those numbers look like. So yeah, it, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see kind of what I'm more curious what that number ends up at. Um, I could, I feel yeah. like it's going to get done. If, I mean, if, if you had to put a percentage on it, what percentage would you put on? I would, I would go 85 to 90. I mean, that's how I would go comfortable saying 85 to 90, just guessing. To get the extension done this, this off season. Do an extension. Yeah. Off season. Um, I'm going to go a little lower than that right now. I'm going to say that there is a, let me go 50, 50. Oh, okay. Let me go. Or maybe 60, 40, but somewhere in that neighborhood, somewhere more in the middle of the road. Uh, just because of some of those things that I mentioned about, um, you know, not, not having that sort of elite pedigree yet that warrants uh, that kind of guaranteed money, especially when nobody really quite, I mean, I think that the cap is going to be fine. The TV contracts are going to be there, um, but nobody really knows if fans, how many fans are going to be able to be back in the stands. Yeah, that's I mean, true. There's like, there's an economic climate of uncertainty right now and therefore you know it it might almost behoove a team to wait a little bit and figure that out all right we are going to take a break and then you will give me uh topic number three that i missed out on back on the orange and brown talk podcast dan lobby mary Kay cabot and possibly if you listen closely you might hear my son up in his room playing his uh his electric guitar we'll see maybe you'll get some music (laughs) in the background of this uh anyway mary Kay. Give me a uh, topic number three that I, uh, I might've missed out on today. Well, if I knew we were going to do that, Dan, I could have my son go get his guitar too. So <laughs> we could, we could record like a, a new theme song for the podcast. It'll be great. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> um, so uh, the, the third topic, the third thing we need to discuss uh, it's players that may or may not come back next season. Mm-hmm. or that are expected back next season. So I think that it's sort of the umbrella topic of Odell Beckham Jr. Now, Kevin Stefanski said he texted back and forth with, with, Kevin, with uh, Odell Beckham this morning, and he's excited to have him back. And that's, that's exactly what you should say at this, at this time of year, that you're excited to have him back. They grew close. I know he really thinks the world of Odell and vice versa. And I'm sure in a perfect world, uh, they would love to have him back and all will be well. But once again, there's an economic side to all of this. And therefore, 
you know, you have to, you have to count your pennies and you have to make sure that you're managing your cap correctly. And Odell is due to make $15 million this year, guaranteed. So uh, he's already guaranteed for over $12 million of that because of injury. Uh, so he, they already are on the books for that. They're on the hook for that. So therefore, if they do decide uh, that they do want to part ways with him, and I'm not saying that they do, but if they arrive at that decision, they're going to have to trade him. They're going to have to trade him because they have to unload that $12 million salary. So therefore, um, I think it's something that they really are going to have to take a long, hard look at. And it will all kind of go hand in hand with what they decide to do this year with Baker. I mean, like you can not necessarily have to tie up your Baker cash this off season. You can like wait. Yeah. Well, the other, the other piece of that too is right. Like if, if you were to extend Baker this off season, you could tack that on to after the fifth year option. So you would still be paying him. This is probably what they did with miles you would still be paying him that rookie salary number. Now there's all the, the stuff you'd have to pay out up front. Right. But you'd still be paying that rookie salary number, then pay him that fifth year option number. And then the extension kicks in. You know, when you mentioned Carson Wentz, I believe that his extension doesn't even kick in until I think it's this coming season. So it, it can I, get a little complicated with that yeah. numbers game and, and some of the salary cap stuff. Yes, it can get complicated. And, but I have to think that if when you do the extension, it kind of knocks out the fifth year option. I'm pretty sure. I, I don't know that you go like rookie contract, then fifth year option, and then your extension kicks in. I, I think it all rolls into one and you get your guaranteed money up front and then you have a certain, and then you've got the new money average, but I don't think it starts after the fifth year extension. I think the fifth year extension, ex, the, fifth, the fifth year option gets rolled into the extension is what I think. Do you understand it that way, Dan? Yeah, um, I'd have to look, I'd have to look closer, honestly. And there's the salary cap is so I hard, but I think I that's think, how it I goes. think it depends. I, I think sometimes I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm not going to pretend that I I know for yeah, sure. We'll, we'll get but, the answer yeah. to that question. We'll, we'll get that because we're going to need to know that. So we'll we'll call on one of our um, amazing cap specialists, like Joel Corey or somebody like that. That uh, that this is what they specialize in and this is what they do and they can answer some of those nuances but that's another another thing to consider if you don't do it this year then you are freeing up some cash to do some other things and then and then you're going to decide about guys like Odell Beckham Jr. you've got Olivier Vernon to decide about um you know that's going to be a tough one he, his contract is up right. and coming off of a ruptured Achilles I would have to think he's played his last Cleveland Browns football um, but I mean, you never know, you never know. So I'm, I'm not going to say that, that he's, he's done, but for all intents and purposes, they'll probably be looking for a different passership. Grant Delpit, we asked about him today. He'll be back. There's every expectation that he's young and healthy enough and he's making good progress and he'll be back from his ruptured Achilles. But these are some decisions that need to be made in the offseason. Yeah, and of course, like the Odell one is going to be the one that that's going to make all the headlines. And and we learned with Odell specifically, just never trust anything anybody tells you publicly, because yeah. Dave Gettleman stood at the combine and said, "I'm not trading Odell Beckham." And then a few weeks later, Odell Beckham was a Cleveland Brown. So, right. you know, these things change. 
and the Browns do have decisions to make. And look, I, I'm not one of those people that says that, that Baker Mayfield is necessarily better without Odo Beckham Jr. But it is also pretty indisputable that this offense was really humming in that second half of the season. And I don't know that it was because Odell wasn't there. I don't think it was because Odell wasn't there. I think the schedule got a little bit easier. You faced some softer pass defenses. Mm-hmm. The weather got better in December. So I, I don't think there's necessarily a correlation there between Odell Beckham and, and the, uh, the passing offense and Baker Mayfield looking better. But we also know that those two have had issues getting on the same page together. So, I mean, that's, that's why Andrew Barry gets paid all the money he does, right? He's, he's got to make that decision about, you know, how much of that second half was correlated to Odell not being there. Um, and, and I know there, there are fans out there, and I, I don't necessarily agree with this, but I know there are people out there who do believe that the offense was better because Baker didn't have to look for Odell. I'm not in that camp. I'm, I'm more with Yeah, you I'm not either. I'm not in that camp. I think that it took Baker a while uh, to find his sea legs in this new offense. I think it took the coaching staff a while to figure out how to call a game for Baker Mayfield so that they could roll him out and get him on the keepers and get him feeling comfortable where he could see where he wasn't trying to stand back behind big linemen and not be able to see where he was throwing the ball. Uh, he's great throwing it on the run. So if they started doing more of that, they started doing more play action. So once they figured him out and once he figured them out, he kind of hit his stride. But as you mentioned, and this is something that I'm not afraid to talk about because it's important to note that yes, some of his success came against lesser, lesser pass defenses. It's okay to talk about that because (laughs) When you do, and and I've said this before on the pot, when you are making long-term decisions, you have to take an unflinching look at at all of the data points. And some of those data points include who you're playing against. And I was thinking about this today too. You know, the Browns weren't necessarily like super battle-tested against really great teams all year long. They had the, you know, they had the third place schedule. And, um, And they, you know, when you get into the playoffs and you start to face a team like the defending Super Bowl champion Chiefs, it it goes up a notch. It goes, or two notches. And and so therefore, I do think that it is okay to discuss that as you're moving through the season. And it's, we talked about this a few times and we've debated this on this pod. There were times where we're like, hmm, you know, they, they haven't really beaten a winning team yet. And then ultimately they, you know, then they beat, you know, they beat the Colts, they beat the Titans and it's like, okay, okay. They've got this right. Um, you know, they started to show that they could kind of hang with anybody, but I do think that there is something to be said for the fact that, like you mentioned, some of Baker's success came against some challenged past defenses. I think that Odell Beckham jr would have flourished once Baker, once the lights came on for Baker, I think Odell Beckham Jr. would have flourished with him. Yeah, I mean, just just to put it in perspective, I, I mean, and again, this is this is kind of more about like the correlation between Odell and Baker than anything, but it does matter. Uh, past defense DVOA, Giants 22nd, Philly 24th, 
uh, Bengals 27th, Jets 28th, Texans 29th, Tennessee 30th, um, Jacksonville 31st. So these were bad pass defenses. And look, Baker lit some of them up, right? I mean, he lit up Tennessee and and he lit up some of these, you know, against the Jets, he was, or I'm sorry, the Giants, he was so efficient and so good. So, I mean, he did what he was supposed to do against those defenses, but the bigger point here is it wasn't just because Odell wasn't there. Right. They probably would have thrived with Odell there and they certainly could have used Odell Beckham against Kansas city on Sunday. Right. And we must not forget that they would not have, they probably wouldn't have made the playoffs. They might not have made the playoffs without, without Odell because he won the Dallas game for them. Mm-hmm. He absolutely won the Dallas game for them. And he made other big plays uh, before he went down with that injury that helped them win games. So uh, if he doesn't strap the team onto his back and win the Dallas game for them single-handedly, they don't make the playoffs. They just, they wouldn't have. They, they would have been on the outside looking in with 10 victories, okay? So that's, that's an important thing to note. Um, and as you mentioned, when, you, when you're rattling off those pass defenses, you know, when you're not going up against the Tyron Matthews, uh, you know, it, it's easier to get the job done. You know, I mean, you, you go up against, you know, if, if they had to play against like a Xavier Howard, you know, from the Dolphins who has 10 interceptions, you know, that's when you need to make your money against, you know, you've got to be able to do it against guys like that that are coming for you. So I do think that, uh, that, that Odell would have helped them tremendously. I can't honestly say that I, that I think for sure he'll be on the team at $15 million a year. I think it's, it would be more of an economic decision than anything else. They like him as a person. They like him as a player. If they deem that he's worth $15 million a year, he'll be on the team because he and Baker, they can get their act together. Look what Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs do t- together. Yeah. You need a guy like that. And just so everybody's not mad at us, I will give Baker his credit here because he deserves it. He, he was yes. very good in the second half of the season. Pittsburgh number one in pass defense DVOA. Baltimore number 10 in pass defense DVOA and Kansas city who, and I think Baker played really well on Sunday, by the way. Yes. 16th. But that being said, Mary Kay, we were there at that game and I don't know about you, but I watched that Kansas city defense and they were flying around out there. That was one of the fastest defenses I've seen in person this year. I was actually really surprised how it just seemed like they were flying all over the place. So I mean, yeah. he, he did perform against good defenses and yeah, he certainly he, yes. did against Pittsburgh in a playoff game and Baltimore in that Monday night shootout. Yes, he absolutely did. He had a, he had a tremendous second half of the season. He really did. And he does deserve his just dues. He absolutely 100% does. And I, I agree. He, he did. He did his part yesterday. I really think that he did his part. And I think, that his, um, I feel like his skill players really, really let him down yesterday. I mean, you, ha- I hate to say it, but I mean, look, Jarvis, and they did a great job. I mean, the Chiefs had a really good game plan, as, as we said. They tried to take Jarvis out of the game and Nick Chubb out of the game. Jarvis had 20 yards. Seven catches for 20 yards. Weird line. <laughs> Seven catches for 20 yards. I mean, they shut him down. Tyron Matthews shut him down. He really did. He should have had two interceptions. 
So Baker did what he was supposed to do. He threw the ball perfectly to Richard Higgins on that play at the end of the half. I mean, he was hot on that drive. That was a heck of a drive. And that should have been a touchdown drive. Um, I mean, that, that was, you know, that was just a bad missed call by the referees. Yeah. Well, look, we talked about welcome to the playoffs Browns fans. This is what it's like. And it is different when a team prepares for you for a playoff game. It's just different. And we saw it yesterday. Steve Spagnuolo went into that game. And like you said, I'm taking away Nick Chubb. I'm taking away Jarvis Landry. Do your best. That's, that's playoff football. And that's what makes it so much fun. And and I think that there's a lot of reasons to believe that uh, we're going to be working well into January and maybe even into some Februarys uh, covering this football team. (laughs) So that should be the, that should be the takeaway. Once the sting of this wears off for everybody. And we've talked about this before. This is a team built for sustained success. They're not the joke anymore. This is a team that Browns fans can get excited about. They can go into every season and know that they've got one hell of a football coach here that is going to be here for a long time. They have, they probably have the quarterback that's going to be here for the next decade and they're going to keep stocking the team because they know how to manage the cap. And it it just seems like the, the winning should be consistent over the next decade or so and fans deserve this yep. all right well that'll do it for our tuesday edition of the orange and brown talk pod it is the off season but we are not going anywhere with these podcasts we will be in that feed every single day just like we always have been uh so stick with us we're going to be doing some positional reviews uh things like that and of course we'll start spinning things forward to yes our favorite event the nfl draft <laughs> i actually don't you- mind the draft it's the lead up to the draft that i yeah. That I get tired of. And it's right here in Cleveland this year. Yes. Hopefully, hopefully it will resemble what an NFL draft I looks know. like. Um, fingers crossed that, uh, that we're able to actually see the draft here in Cleveland this year. Yes. And of course it comes in a year when the Browns have the 26th pick. It's perfect. <laughs> All right. That. All right. That'll do it for this edition of the Orange and Browns Talk podcast. For Mary Cam, Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye.